Blog Talk Radio. I'm a dog killer, kitty, no apologies. I know that you wanna get crazy, crazy. Shawty, take it slow, then chitty, chitty. Come on, baby, be my jelly, be, 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 be. Hey, baby, let me see it. I just wanna eat it. Hey, welcome to the No Huddle Show. You got Mike and Sam. How are we doing today, Sam? What's going on, guys? It's uh, it's Monday. We have uh, one more game in the NFL. Uh, I heard some Jalebi Baby, which means that it's Jason Durlow time. Yeah, is that cultural appropriation for me to be using that song for our intro? Absolutely not. Okay. Absolutely not. I'm all about the whole rape of the culture and, you know, you know, destruction of intellectual property. Correct. Absolutely. Fantastic. Okay. Yeah. All for cancel culture, bro. Let's go. All right. All right. Hey man, we had a wild weekend of sports. Like, I, you know, we absolutely had, nuts, dude. Absolutely nuts. We had the uh, the big heavyweight fight. And I don't even know if that ranks in like the top three of things that I saw this weekend, as far as like games or sport sporting events go. I mean, it's it's crazy to say we had a major heavyweight boxing match, the 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 rubber match between Tyson Fury and Deontay Wilder. And I'm not sure it ranked as a top three event in my eyes uh, from what I saw over the weekend. Yeah, I would have to say, even though it's 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 up there, there's just so much that happened this weekend that you know, I it's it's tough. It's tough to choose, you know. Yes. Uh, so let's get to the fight. Since you're the boxing buff, I'm gonna let you talk a little bit about the fight. I do. So Fury came in. Um, I have pretty heavily favored. Uh, Deontay Wilder had a new trainer. Um, and this kind of, this fight kind of played out how I thought that it might. Um, Wilder came out, uh, pretty impressive. Uh, he threw a couple jabs in the first round. Um, but, uh, Fury landed uh, a couple good combos. Uh, but, uh, ESPN had Wilder winning the first round. Uh, but then, uh, they had Fury, uh, winning the next two rounds. And then Wilder actually dropped Tyson Fury in the fourth round. Uh, sorry, I, I, I apologize that Fury actually dropped Wilder first uh, in the uh, in the third round, uh, and he beat the count. And then Wilder came back and then beat uh, knocked down Fury uh, to take the lead on the scorecards after four rounds, 37 to 36, according to ESPN, which was the official scorecards. Um, but then from then on, man, it was all Fury, and I liked how Fury just kept pressing forward. Uh, watching that match, he put a lot of pressure on Deontay Wilder. Uh, he kept uh, making Wilder feel uncomfortable. Um, and honestly, there were times where Wilder looked a little, for lack of a better term, wild. Uh, in in the fight, just kind of throwing off balance punches and leaving himself open. Uh, the referee almost round uh, as um, Wilder got hit so hard he was completely out on his feet. Man, he was his, he was jello legged. His eyes were glazed over, uh, but he was able to withstand it, um, and the referee didn't stop the fight. But Fury was in the lead comfortably. By the time he knocked Wilder out in the 11th round, he was up on the scorecards, 96 to 89, and he had dropped Wilder four times so far in the fight by the time uh, he finally knocked Wilder out in the 11th round. So this fight was not that close. This wasn't – it was close in the early rounds, probably through the first, I want to say, five rounds. It was a good fight, five, six rounds. But at, after about round six, Fury just dominated Wilder, and he got knocked down several times. He was getting just pounded away on. Um, so this this fight didn't end up being as close. Uh, you know, that, a lot of people talk, oh, what a great fight, what a great fight. But, but it, I've seen way better fights. Uh, I've seen a lot more exciting fights. Uh, Fury pretty much withstood Wilder's best shots early and then put them away. Yeah, so one thing I wanted to just point out, I know I'm not the, the boxing guy, but, like, 
if you look at at the trilogy of fights, like, and just look at Wilder's, you know, um, boxing style per se, he's usually the aggressor. So when Tyson Fury started pressing him, he's not too good off his back foot. No, so I, not, yeah, he's he's not, and, and and Fury's such a technician when it comes to landing his combos, and you know he knows what jabs and what punches he he'll eat just so he can land the next combination that's coming up, right? So yeah. he, he and I think that that was just like a very superior trait to have in uh, like a rubber match, basically, if you want to call it, because you know he's taken all the hits, you know that 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 you know Wilder had to give him in the first two fights, you know, he was yeah. almost knocked out, you know, completely and withstood that, and yeah, I mean, at this point, uh, you know, he, he he's a, the far better fighter, because his his technician worked within the ring, like his movement was just not not something that you can compare to when it, when it comes to Wilder, right? No, and honestly, Fury dominated the punch stats. Um, looking here at the CompuBox punch stats. So, can you tell me what he what he hit for like the last three rounds? That's what I really want to know. So Fury in the last three rounds for total punches, uh, that was nine, ten, and eleven because he ended the fight in the eleventh round. Fury landed twenty two punches in the ninth compared to Wilder's eleven. Uh, he landed 19 punches in the 10th compared to Wilder's 5, and then Fury landed 11 punches uh, compared to Wilder's 2. Also, here's the percentage of landing, right? So you have uh, Fury landing almost 49% of his punches in round 9, 34.5% in round 10, and 45.8 in round 11, uh, where Wilder landed 27.5, 11.9, 11.8. Um, that was over the final three rounds. Overall, for the entire fight, Fury landed 150 punches compared to Wilder's 72, and power punches landed. Fury landed 114 to Wilder's 63. So he that is absolutely staggering, bro. That number, that difference is just too much. Yeah, it's and that's that's basically why Wilder. This wasn't as close as a lot of people like to make it out to be. I mean, I, I had heard, oh, what a great heavyweight fight. I, I'm watching the fight, and, you know, I didn't watch it live. I, I watched it the day after. And it just, honestly, man, it, it was it was exciting in the first couple of rounds. Uh, but Wilder just got dominated from the mid-rounds on. So, I don't know what's next for Deontay Wilder. Uh, he says he's not considering retirement. He He's not going to obviously get another heavyweight shot uh, as long as Jerry's a champion. And honestly, uh, let me be honest. This isn't a knock on Deontay Wilder. Sometimes guys just don't match up well with certain fighters. Styles make fights. And Fury's style frustrates Deontay Wilder. Now, if you put Deontay Wilder in against Anthony Joshua, I think Anthony. I Joshua, think that's a better match. I think that's a better matchup for Wilder, though, right? I think so. I think Wilder's dominating that fight. Um, I, I can point to a lot of great fighters who had trouble with guys that they shouldn't have been having trouble with. So, like for instance, uh, back in the early late '90s, early 2000s, Sugar Shane Mosley was at the top of his game. Okay, he was one of the best fighters in the world but he couldn't be in a dude named Vernon Forrest, okay? And not that Vernon Forrest was bad. He was not a bad, bad fighter, okay? He, he won 41 fights, and he only lost three. But let me tell you, two of those losses for Vernon Forrest were against Ricardo Mayorga. Ricardo Mayorga gave Vernon Forrest fits, and he couldn't beat him. Whereas Vernon Forrest beat Shane Mosley twice. Mayorga beat Vernon Forrest two times. Mayorga used to smoke cigarettes on the way to the ring, okay? Mayorga was a nice fighter. He won 32 fights. He lost 12, but he could never seem to beat the big names, okay? He lost to Shane Mosley. He lost to Miguel Cotto. He lost to uh, Trinidad, Corey Spinks, all these guys. But for some reason, he had the first number. So that's, that's, you know, styles make fights. Wilder's going to have to get himself together um, and, and try to, you know, regain some confidence, uh, you know, and maybe he'll get another shot at a title fight down the line. 
Uh, for Fury, I don't know what's next. But he's got to he's got to build up that steam again, right? Moving yeah. forward before he goes for another title fight. Yeah, and I don't know what's next for Fury. What the next big payday is for him? Maybe a fight with Anthony Joshua, his fellow Englishman. Uh, but uh, yeah, man, um, it'll be interesting. But I don't think Wilder's done by a long shot. He's still a young cat for the most part, I believe. I don't. I don't even know if he's thirty yet. Uh, Deontay Wilder. He's twenty nine. I believe he's twenty nine. No, we're both wrong. He's thirty five years old. Holy moly! <laughs> he might be. Uh, he might be coming to near the end of his career, but uh, I still think he's got a couple good fights left. So we'll see. We will see what happens with him. Um, it'll be interesting. Um, so, man, let me tell you, bud, it was a crazy weekend for college football. It was absolutely bonkers. And we're going to start, start it off with the Red River rivalry. That game was I can't even put it into words, man. Texas was pounding Oklahoma. They were destroying. Texas was up 28-7 to after the first quarter, and they were up 38-20 to at the half. Oklahoma outscored Texas 35-10 to in the second half to come back and win 55-48. But the big story here is Caleb Williams. Spencer Rattler was looking rattled in this game. He was 18. For and I think we, we kind of touched on this, right? Like, he wasn't really who we, he was supposed to be this year? Not at all. He was a Heisman Trophy favorite going into the season. Heisman Trophy favorite. He's struggled all year. So, Rattler goes 8 for 15 for 111 yards, no touchdowns and an interception when he gets pulled in favor of Caleb Williams, the freshman, true freshman quarterback. All this kid does it goes 16 and 25 for 212 yards, two touchdowns, no interceptions, and runs the ball four times for 88 yards. He was absolutely balling out. And you and, said that's all he did, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was being uh, a little facetious there. <laughs> but Oklahoma now has a full-blown QB controversy on their hands because the fans have been getting impatient with Spencer Rattler. And Lincoln Riley's team is 6-0, and but they are currently ranked 6th in the country. And they got past Texas. The rest of their schedule is manageable. They got TCU, Kansas, Texas Tech, Baylor, Iowa State, and Oklahoma State. So a couple tough games, but nothing – not a murderer's row by any stretch of the imagination. So Oklahoma has a chance to get to the college football playoff. If you're Lincoln Riley, what are you doing, man? You Are you going with the freshman, or are you going to go back to your quarterback and give him another shot? Oh, man, that's a tough one. That's really tough. I, you know what? I, I see this happening, and correct me if I'm wrong. Again, you, you are also – thanks for picking, like, two, the two topics you're an expert in. So boxing <laughs> followed up with college football. So – uh, you know, uh, this happens quite a bit in college football, right, where you have a quarterback and then right behind him is this young, true, uh, you know, redshirt freshman, uh, you know, who's just chopping at the bits to try to get a piece of that starting job. So I've seen it happen at Ohio State. I've seen it happen elsewhere too, right? A lot of schools yeah. have this dilemma where you, you have someone that's good that, that may have had one good year, and then the following year all of a sudden – they're a little off kilter, and the next person is just waiting to take their job. Either that, or if the person gets hurt in front of them, and then the starter, the you know, the starter gets oh, hurt. Oh, one year, one year can kill you, right? As a starting QB in in, the, in, in, in college football, right? So what you saw, you, we've seen it a lot. Jacob Eason, for instance, at Georgia, right. he he had a baller year, um, but then. Um, Oh God, I can't think of the guy's name. He got drafted by the uh, the Bills, but uh, he came in for an injured um, Jake Fromm. From um, uh, the guy gets uh, injured, Fromm comes in. He leads Georgia to a national title game. Okay, which they lost to Alabama, and then uh, the kid put his name into the transfer portal and goes to Washington. Jacob Eason, and now he's a backup for the Indianapolis Colts. Uh, so we see it happen pretty often where if guys either, like you said, aren't performing and then the guy behind them outplays them 
or somebody gets hurt, uh, uh, you know, the starter gets hurt, and then the guy plays so well, you can't put the starter back in, right? And so then the yeah, guys get yeah. the portal all the time. So, honestly, if Caleb Williams hits start, the starting line, it would not surprise me one bit to see Spencer Rattler transfer from Oklahoma and be somewhere else next year. Um, do you think, do you think, you think just this one season would be enough for him to move? Oh, for sure, because if Caleb Williams uh, usurps him as the starter, uh, that means Caleb Williams is going to be starting next year, and Spencer Rattler is not about to sit there and play second string, man. He'll go someplace else where he can start. And um, So the question is, is he, is he worthy of a start? I think he is. I don't know what's happened to him this year. It, it could be that the pressure got to him. Last year um, – he came in uh, as a stud in a COVID year, and he honestly he struggled out of the gate last year. Uh, Oklahoma lost their first two games before he kind of caught fire, and Oklahoma won out and went ten or went I believe ten and two last year. But uh, they struggled out of the gate, and so this isn't all that surprising to me. He would get a shot somewhere. Someone, someone would. I mean, the kid's got great talent. He's got really good talent. I, I don't know where he would go to, but I, somebody would take him. There would be somebody waiting with, with open and, and it would be a major D1 school, in your opinion? More than likely. More than likely. Okay. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Um, would you take him at, at Nebraska? Yeah, I would. Yeah, okay. All right. I would. Uh, <laughs> he He's a good fit for Scott Frost's offense. Uh, Martinez is a – well, he should be a senior this year, but since last year's COVID year didn't count for eligibility for anybody, he's technically a junior. But I don't know if Martinez and, and Martinez doesn't have the it factor, right? Martinez is good. He's played good this year, but he still makes little mental mistakes when the game is on the line. And honestly, Aiden Martinez isn't an NFL quarterback. He's not. So the, that was my second question. Do you see him as a converted position even in the NFL? No. No, wow. He's pretty athletic. He runs, right? He is, but I just I don't see it. I I see the way I see Adrian Martinez more is him going straight into coaching after his playing career has ended. Because he's got the brains. He's got the brains. He's got a good. He's got great leadership qualities. It would not surprise me at all if he went the GA route for a while and then worked his way through the coaching ranks um, down the line because he's a smart kid. Uh, I have a lot of respect for him. He Martinez. could be a quarterbacks coach, maybe then, yeah. Quarterback's coach, offensive coordinator, eventually head coach down the line, possibly, you know. So, but, yeah, I, I to answer your question, if Rattler was interested in coming to Nebraska, I would absolutely take him. Um, although, I'll say this, if Martinez comes back next year, that that's, that option goes out the window because then – Do you still take Martinez over Rattler? You have to. He's been in the system for so long. So, you, you would have to. Um, plus, he's played really good this year. Um, so you see Rattler going to a place where he knows he's going to automatically just start? Yes. So what, yeah. Yeah, I don't know where that is. Um, and kind of, I wonder how things shake out at other schools. But, yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, it would not surprise me to, to, to see him go to, like, a Pac-12 school or even a, an SEC school, potentially. You know, like making – Interesting. Yeah. Making, yeah. Like LSU – or like Auburn or someplace like that uh, where they don't really have a solid quarterback situation. Or even if the opportunity came to go to USC, potentially. Um, I'll actually tell you where he's from originally. Uh, he is – Spencer Rattler is uh, from Arizona. So, honestly, it wouldn't, uh, it wouldn't surprise me uh, at all if, uh, if he went, like, to the Pac-12 or possibly down to the SEC. Um, game man, we had uh, we had a couple doozies, but uh, Alabama goes down. Alabama loses to Texas A&M in kind of a shocker. To be honest with you, Alabama had been straight rolling people, uh, other than Florida, who they beat by two by two points. They they rolled a pretty good Ole Miss team uh, the week before. They were they were up twenty eight to nothing uh, before the end of the before halftime, and then uh, ended up winning that one forty two twenty one. But Bama's defense could not shut down Texas A and M. 
Um, I and and I, you I, know what isn't Bama's call to fame their defense? Usually, not recently, not the last couple of years. They've been known to give up some big time points, but they always seem to be able to get stops when it matters. But man, I mean, Alabama put on an offensive show. Bryce Young threw for 369 yards and three touchdowns. Brian Robinson Jr. had 147 yards on the ground. Jamison Williams, the Ohio State transfer, had 10 catches for 146 yards and two touchdowns. But they just couldn't seem to get the stops on Texas A&M when they needed. And Texas A&M jumped out to a 24-10 to 10 lead at the half. They were up two scores. Um, so I, it was kind of shocking to see. Alabama did take the lead with five minutes to go in the fourth quarter. They took the lead 38-31, but then Texas A&M came down and scored um, 10 unanswered points in the final five minutes to, to win the game. So – you know, Texas A&M is now four and two in the conference. Uh, they, or, I'm sorry, four and two overall, one and two in the conference as they lost to Arkansas and Mississippi State. Uh, so I did not see this coming, especially after they lost to Mississippi State last week. Uh, a lot of people thought Texas A&M would challenge Alabama going into this year for the SEC West crown. And early on in Texas A&M, when they when they dropped to, when they dropped the game to Arkansas, and then again to Mississippi State, a lot of people had written them off, but. Clearly, uh, there's still a chance, but Alabama would have to lose another conference game for Texas A&M to still get the nod over them in the in the West right now. Uh, so, and, and Texas A&M was not like what was the spread on this game? Seventeen. And uh, honestly, if you would have asked before the season, Texas A&M probably would have been like five point underdogs because Texas A&M was a preseason top ten team. Uh, but they hadn't been playing very good as of late, and then, yeah, they 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 were seventeen point dogs. Wow. Wow. So uh, that was uh, a huge, huge shocker. Um, and then the, the the last game, the game that breaks my heart to have to talk about. Um, Mr. Nebraska, come on down. Michigan outlasted Nebraska. Um, this has been a painful – it's been an encouraging year if you're a Nebraska fan, but it's also been painful as Nebraska has played – three top ten teams this season, and they've lost by seven, three, and three. That's That sounds like the, the NCAA or NCAA's version of the Detroit Lions, man. Yeah, almost. Um, so Nebraska sits at three and four. Um, they – so I'll be honest with you. We shouldn't have lost to Illinois to start the season. We didn't have things going. Oklahoma was a tough loss. Uh, we should have never lost to Michigan State. Uh, if I'm being honest here, we should have beat Michigan, too. Um, yeah, had the ball uh, with under two minutes to go, and Martinez fumbled the ball, and it led to a Michigan field goal to ice the game. So do you uh, still see a bowl game happening or no? I do. Uh, I'll be honest with you. I I do see a bowl game happening. Um, you have to get six wins to be bowl eligible, okay? And at, at the beginning of the season, I was not high on us making a bowl, um, but the way we've played, I think we will. So we're sitting at three and four. We need to find three wins in the next five games. We're at Minnesota this week. Then we get Purdue. Both of those, I'll be honest with you, they should be wins. Minnesota is three and two right now, but their three wins are against Miami, Ohio, Purdue, and Colorado, who aren't very good. They've lost to Ohio State and they lost to Bowling Green. Okay, and Minnesota Bowling Green is is not that bad, are they? Dude, Bowling Green was two and two this year. Okay, and they lost to Tennessee and South Alabama and Kent State and Akron. Holy hell. Okay. I'm sorry, they're not 2-2. Two two, they're 2-4. Two 2-4 and, four. Two and four this year. So they're not very good. Uh, they shouldn't have beat Minnesota. Minnesota's also beset by injuries. So this, we honestly should win. So then what it comes down to is if we beat Minnesota and Purdue, that takes us to five wins, okay? Then can we get one win in the final three games, which is against Ohio State at Wisconsin and number two, Iowa? The answer, whoa, but I think we can beat Wisconsin. Wisconsin is down this year. They're not the same Wisconsin we've seen in uh, recent years. They're two and three. They really struggled to move the ball. I think this is the year we we get off the schneid versus Wisconsin. 
Uh, and then now, now remind me is that is that like a, a rivalry that Nebraska fans have? Well, it's a rivalry in the sense that we always want to try to beat them, and Wisconsin tends to win the West. It's not a rivalry if you look at record, as Wisconsin has won eight in a row against Nebraska. Okay, so they've had your number. <laughs> they've had our number. Yeah, they've had our number. Um, we have not beat them since 2012. So. Well, that's not acceptable. Yeah, so this is uh, this is a big game. Um, I think it's, but if we if we, like I said, if we take care of business against Minnesota and Purdue, uh, then we that leaves us winning one game against, you know, needing to win one game against Ohio State, Wisconsin, and Iowa, and I think we can do it against Wisconsin. I don't think we'll get it against Ohio State, even though we play them at home, and I don't think we're going to get it against Iowa this year, even though we play them at home. Iowa's been very good this year. They just beat Penn State. Uh, I was ranked number two in the country. So we'll see what happens, man. But, uh, yeah, I'm hoping for the best. I'm hoping six wins, um, but we'll see. But I, this team, the defense is very good. Uh, this team has showed a lot of improvement. But right now we're just losing a lot of close games against top teams, and it stings a little bit. All right, man. So now it's time. We're all College football topics. Uh, so sorry to you know, uh, sorry to Sam. You know, we open the show with some of that stuff because we all tend to take a lot of time on our NFL football analysis. And uh, I wanted to start uh, the NFL uh, by uh, playing a couple comment clips about John Gruden. Uh, I'm not sure if you're everybody's familiar with the Gruden scandal, but uh, he wrote uh, an email ten years ago. Uh, that had, um, I guess, calling De, Mer- De uh, Marie Smith, uh, who was, uh, head of the players' union, uh, not calling him anything, but I guess made um, a remark that he had the lips the size of Michelin tires, which was construed as a racist trope because uh, apparently uh, it's racist to say that black folks have big lips. Uh, it's like a stereotype. Um, which is not something I'm super familiar with, but uh, I wanted to play this. Uh, I mean, it's, it's, it, I would have to say it's pretty much Jay Z's fault, right? All of it. It's all Gruden's fault. No, I would say it's Jay Z's fault. Oh, Jay Z. For, for that, for that oh, stereotype. For that stereotype. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Probably. Uh, I don't want to get us. I don't want to get us canceled for making racist tropes on our show. Yeah, yeah. No cancel. No cancel culture. Okay. No. Right, let me play these comments about from John Gruden, and then we'll hear from Keyshawn Johnson and um, and uh, Stephen A. Smith, courtesy of ESPN. But um, yes, they can. I'm I'm uh, I'm not like that at all. But I apologize. I don't want to keep addressing it. I can't remember a lot of the things that transpired ten or twelve years ago, but. Um, I stand here uh, in front of everybody apologizing. I know I'm not, uh, I don't have an ounce of, of racism in me. Okay, that was John Gruden, his former player, Keyshawn Johnson, addressing the incident earlier. Take a listen. He's a bad person. I tried to tell people this when I played for this man, but I was, the, I was in the wrong. Keyshawn, oh, Keyshawn just a small brat. Oh, Keyshawn just a diva. Oh, Keyshawn just wants the football. But here we are now, however many years later, and stuff is coming to the surface. And now look what we're dealing with. We're dealing with some race-insensitive behavior by a head coach who many thought didn't even deserve the opportunity to coach the Raiders. But guess what? He did. And now this is what we're dealing with. And, that, and you got to deal with that locker room. We saw yesterday on the football field what that locker room turned out to be, which is an L. You don't think that was heavy on them black players and some of the white players' mind? Hell yeah, it was. Okay. A lot to unpack here. Stephen A., I'll start with you. What do you think should happen to John Gruden? Not a damn thing other than what's happening there. Um, he has to stand before black men knowing what you said. Um, it was racially iris, uh, insensitive. It was irresponsible. Um, and there are people that are going to view him as a racist now. And he has to live with that. But as it pertains to what should happen to him, I want to emphasize this. 
he should not be fired, nor should he be suspended. He was not working for the NFL in 2011, a decade ago when this email uh, was, was when, he, when he wrote this email. I believe it was to Bruce Allen, who was running the Redskins at the time, and he was, uh, he was close with uh, Bruce Allen from their days back in the day with the Raiders or whatever. Uh, but he was not with the NFL. He was working for us here at ESPN doing Monday Night Football. And so when you take that into consideration, the fact of the matter is, is that I don't believe that the NFL should have any jurisdiction to do anything with him based on an email that circulated from a decade ago. If that's the case, I got news for you. There's a whole bunch of people that's in a world of trouble. When we get to sit up there and reflect back on things that we said or, you know, emails that we, that, 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 that we may have written from a decade ago or more, there's a whole bunch of people in this world that's going to be trouble, that's going to be in a world. All right, so you heard it, Sam. You heard uh, John Gruden's kind of semi-apology. You heard Keyshawn Johnson go in um, on him. Randy Moss also kind of went in on him um, earlier. And then you have Stephen A. Smith who kind of is like, oh, I don't know why we're making a fuss about this. This was 10 years ago, and he shouldn't be suspended. So what are your thoughts? I, I have to agree with the fact that it, because it was such a long time ago and he wasn't Normally, I'm not known to agree with Stephen A. Smith by any means, but I have to agree with him. He didn't not he didn't work for the NFL at that time. He worked for ESPN. If he was still working for ESPN, then it would be a different story. I think you know, then he could be held liable for whatever it is that he said, and he'd have to give an explanation, and there'd be a whole witch hunt uh, as to what was said and what was really meant. Um, and I think I don't think it solves anything, right? I don't think right. it solves anything. I think the fact that he got caught saying something racially insensitive, that in itself is like your punishment. The fact that you were caught, you now know that something like this is absolutely, it's not, there's no excuse for that in the NFL. There's no excuse for that in any professional sport for that matter, right? Um, Let me ask you a question. Is what he said... That all right. So like, uh, let's look, look. Here's the thing. I, I read another article that said that he was saying rubber lips, as in you know, in 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 reference to, uh, you know, being loose, right, with his lips. Yeah, basically talking out of one side of his. Correct, correct. And that, and if that is somehow proven to be true, it's not racially insensitive at all. Because actually, to be honest with you, Smith does have loose lips. Yeah. He's always had loose lips. He's always said stuff about, you know, even before the, the, the collective bargaining agreements were, like, they were even discussed or even brought up or even thought to be discussed, he was bringing up stuff that he wasn't supposed to talk about. He's always had loose lips. I'm not going to – if that is – if that was Gruden's true intention to say this guy has loose lips and he's got rubber lips, then, then I don't see it as a stereotype at that point. If that's the case. Let me just say, even if he's calling, if, even if he's saying he has Michelin-sized lips and he has big lips, okay, I'm sorry, I don't think that's a racist thing to say. I, I don't. I don't. Uh, in the, the context of he didn't say, like, this guy and his big black lips or those Correct. Water, Correct. Water. And you know what the, whole, the funny thing is? Who was he saying this to again? Bruce Allen? Uh, yeah, I emailed it to Bruce Allen, who was uh, just hap- just just out of curiosity. What's Bruce Allen's uh, you know background like? Is he white, black, yeah. African American, Latino, white. Asian? He's white. Okay, all right. That that I just wanted to clear that up because that's the reason why they're they're making even more of a big deal. It's because his 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 connection that he's talking to happens to also be white. So that's why it, it, it's like it was this conversation was never supposed to leak out. It was one of those. Yeah, I, I don't know, man. I don't. I, to me, what do you think? Yeah, what's your I, thoughts? That bad, but um, I, I, you know, I, I'm sure there's people who have said a lot worse. And um, if he had mentioned something like, I, I don't know, something like horribly stereotypical, um. You know, it'd be one thing, but man, like it's it's hard to it's hard to sit there and infer when someone just says him and his 
Michelin or whatever the context was of it, uh, it's hard to sit there and infer that that's indeed him being racist. I just, I just don't see it. And Keyshawn Johnson has always been a brat. He's always been a douchebag. Oh yeah, even though he's the next Jet, I'll tell you this much: he's always been a diva. He's always been a jackass. He's always been that guy. And you know what? For him to be like, I've been saying it all along. No, no, you really haven't, bro. Because you know what? You've been crying wolf for twenty years about everybody. All right. So you've been bitching, literally bitching about Bill Parcells, asking everybody from, you know, from A to Z. He's been he's been crying about them. So, no, bro, you haven't been saying it for years. No one wants to listen to what you want, you have to say anymore. Because it's the cares. same shit. Nobody cares. Uh, so I know I know uh, you have to drop off the show uh, fairly soon here. So I wanted to get your thoughts. Yeah, I'm sorry, man. I just wanted to give you a quick uh, rundown. I, I won last night's matchup uh, in fantasy football. I am now four and one. Thank you, Josh Allen, for providing me 37 points. I uh, you. He got 62 in my league, and now I need 115 points. Holy hell! From Lamar Jackson, Jonathan Taylor, and Baltimore's defense combined. Good God. I mean, I would have said you had a chance if you had Marquise Brown or maybe even uh, Mark Andrews. I don't know. Jesus. Open like Lamar Jackson puts up like a 50-burger and Jonathan Taylor. Oh, that would be nice. Yeah, if he drops a 30-burger, then you're good. Then you're good. Yeah, so we'll see. We'll see. I need 115 points. I need Taylor to have, like, a decent game on the ground. Well, and I need Baltimore's defense to return, like, a punt or two and get a defensive touchdown. So, we'll see what happens. Uh, before you, Both sound like dreams, bro. Both sound like dreams. They might be. And hopes. Let me ask you. Are, Shoot. Before I let you go, are the Bills the best team in the AFC? You know what? I was just having this conversation with a buddy of mine, and he was saying it, like, like very – like emphatically before the the game even started last night, he's like, you know, they may be just coming out of the AFC, the Bills. And I'm like, what are you talking about? Do you understand what's still around in the AFC, right? You have to yeah. you have to look at the rest of the teams that are still in the AFC. I the Chiefs, even though they're down and out, they're still dangerous as hell. Like you no. would not want to give the Chiefs a wild card position because they could just run run the table if they wanted to. The Bills are damn near there, bro. They are damn near there. They're, they they played flawless football yesterday. They Offense, did. defense, both. Their only loss was week one to the Steelers, in which they only lost by a touchdown, and they squandered a 10 nothing lead at halftime. Uh, they were outscored 17 to That was a really weird game script game. You know, that was like kind of like defense is tussling it out almost. It was, and Josh Allen – was a little rusty, he seemed like, in that game. He was 30 of 51 for 270 and one touchdown. Um, and he just seemed like he didn't really – and I believe, if I'm not mistaken, that was a bad weather game. I want to say it was kind of – It was. It was, it was a bad weather game. I, I had, I've had Josh Allen all year. It's definitely a bad weather game. Okay. So, yeah, that's uh, – to me, I still think uh, – you know, the Chiefs are, are – I'm not writing them off yet. It's too early for that. But right now, what I've seen from Buffalo and and their defense too. Oh yeah, their defense is elite, elite man. Elite. I just don't see they shut down Tyree completely. They did. And if you have to go to Buffalo in January for playoff games, oh man, all kinds of weather elements. Yes, it's going to be cold. Uh, so good luck to any teams having to make the trek to Buffalo uh, in in January. Oh yeah, tough one, Mike. I gotta I gotta drop uh, for the listeners. I apologize. I'm, I'm stealing okay. uh, twenty minutes away. Um, I'm gonna catch you and do a recap uh, on Friday. Um, we'll do a quick recap and uh, we'll talk about some other stuff. Thanks again, Mike, for having me and for all the listeners. Keep listening to Mike for the next twenty minutes. Make sure you don't let up at all and call him. Let him know he's he's. Being a jackass, if you have to, right? Thank you. Yeah, call us at 563-999-3761. Go there you it. go. Yeah, Thanks, me... Thanks, Mike. I'll catch you, brother. All right. Bye. All right, guys. So we got uh, a couple more major games to uh, recap. But uh, the Chargers, what about that finish with Cleveland? My God. I mean, that game. So Cleveland, uh, or I think all teams – uh, were 42-0, and 0, I believe I saw the stat, when scoring 40 points and having zero turnovers. Cleveland just made it 42-1 and 1 as they uh, dropped a game to the, Los Angeles, to the yeah, Los Angeles Chargers after scoring 42 points and having zero turnovers. Uh, Eckler, near the end, 
uh, the Browns basically carried Eckler into the end zone uh, so that uh, they could get the lead um, so that the Chargers didn't just sit on the uh, clock and uh, try, you know, for a game-winning field goal. Because at that time, um, I believe when they carried him in on that run, there was still about a minute 30 left to go in the game. And they didn't want they didn't want the Chargers to just sit on the clock and then kick a field goal and with basically no time left. So they carried Eckler into the end zone pretty much uh, so that they would have the ball back with about a minute 30 to go and down only five where a touchdown wins the game for him. Um, Odell was not Odell, man. Um, he hasn't been Odell in a long time. He's a decoy in this offense. Uh, David Njoku had a massive game, seven catches for 149 yards and one touchdown. I just don't understand why Baker can't get OBJ the ball. There's no Jarvis Landry. And I know you have two outstanding running backs in Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt. I get it. But shut up, Sarah. I don't know why my watch is all of a sudden just doing dumb things right now in the middle of the show. Uh, Anyways, um, Cleveland's receivers are Donovan Peoples-Jones, Shard Higgins, Anthony Schwartz, and then Njoku at tight end. And yet Beckham can't seem to, you know, out-target and out-catch these guys. I don't get it. Uh, But Mike Williams went off, eight catches, 165 yards, two touchdowns. Uh, Eckler had a massive game. Justin Herbert looked phenomenal. And the Chargers are now sitting at 4-1. Their one loss coming to the also 4-1 Dallas Cowboys. Um, so we're going to see over the next couple of weeks what this Chargers team is made of um, because they have um, they have a couple games coming up, the Ravens versus Patriots at Eagles. Uh, we're going to see if they can keep it going. But they, they've gotten through this tough first month or so of the schedule, uh, four and one. So they are looking very good. I, I'm not going to put them in the same tier as Buffalo currently. Uh, as I believe Buffalo is still a better team. Uh, but, uh, man, the Chargers look very good, and they might end up walking away with the division this year. Um, next, man, that Bengals-Packers game, exciting, heartbreaking. Um, God, I, I felt like neither team wanted to kick the winning field goal. Uh, we had so many missed field goals. Um you had Mason Crosby miss, I believe, three field goals. Uh, McPherson had a chance at the end. Um, so starting here when the game was tied at 22, Mason Crosby missed a 36-yard field goal, which is kind of inexplicable, inexplicable. Then Cincinnati gets the ball back, and they have a chance to go up, but McPherson misses a 57-yard field goal. And then Green Bay gets the ball back with 21 seconds. That was one thing I didn't like uh, that I'm going to pause on real quick before we go into the overtime, is the Bengals tried a 57-yard field goal with 21 seconds left, okay? Aaron Rodgers literally only has to complete one or two passes, and the Packers are in field goal range, and that's it. And that's exactly what happened. McPherson – misses the field goal. Rodgers passes the ball, completes the pass to Devontae Adams to the Cincinnati 33-yard line for 20 yards. Then Rodgers spikes the ball, okay, with four seconds to go. And Crosby misses a 51-yard field goal, which sent it into overtime. And I'll tell you, I don't get how – you know, fine, a 51-yard field goal is no joke. That's a, But, honestly, if I was the Bengals, I know they were being aggressive and going for the win. But and that would have been one thing to kick a 57-yard field goal if there was 10 seconds left in the game. And then you kick it, the ball's up, the ball travels, and you're leaving. If you miss it, you're leaving Aaron Rodgers, you know, less than 10 seconds where he's got to complete a pass, spike the ball, and then kick the field goal. I would have felt much better about that, but you left him 21 seconds, and he really only needed about 20-some-odd yards, which isn't that much. So um, I disagree with that, but it worked out. Uh, Crosby missed the 51-yarder, and then Burrow throws an interception, 
and uh, the ball's at Cincinnati's 30-yard line. And then the Green Bay, they go five yards in reverse, and then Crosby misses another gimme field goal from 40 yards out. And then McPherson missed a 49-yard field goal, and then Crosby finally hit the game winner. So tough break, a lot of missed field goals. Um, You know, honestly, this was a game that Green Bay was trying to give away, and the Bengals just wouldn't accept it. So I still think the Bengals are in a good position. Uh, They're sitting at 3-2 and right now. And I said on Friday's show that I was looking at the stretch of games, starting with the Packers that the Bengals had to go 3-2 and two in this next stretch of five games, which is Packers, at Lions, at Ravens, at Jets, home for the Browns. So it's fine. I expected them to lose to the Packers. If they would have got that win, it would have been, you know, just icing on the cake. But they got to beat the Lions. they got to beat the Jets. And they have to split the Ravens and the Browns. They got to win one of those, um, either or, either winning at Baltimore or winning at home versus Cleveland. Either one, they got to split. If they can go three and two there, uh, which would put them at six and four uh, heading into their bye, I think they got a real good shot to to continue to make a push for a wild card spot in the playoffs uh, because it's going to get harder um, as the schedule goes. If they go into their bye week six and four, uh, you're looking at a final, let's see, seven games of the Raiders, the Steelers, the Chargers, the Niners, the Broncos, the Ravens again, the Chiefs, and the Browns. So, uh, honestly, they're going to, you know, and the, some of those games they might get wins, especially Chiefs and Browns, uh, depending on where things are. If the Browns, who are currently 3-2, and two, if the Browns have a playoff spot locked up and they're not going to be able to improve it by any means uh, with that final win, they might rest a bunch of guys. Uh, Chiefs don't look like they're going to be in a position to rest guys the final couple weeks. I was thinking, you know, if the Chiefs go on a run here, um, even though they're sitting at 2-3, and three, if they win like 10 in a row now and get to 12-3, and three, you know, going into the final few games, they might play their starters that half against the Bengals and rest guys, and the Bengals might be able to pull out a win. Uh, but, there, you know, I expected the Bengals to be kind of like a six- to seven-win team this year. I also thought next year was going to be the year they make the leap and become a playoff threat. But um, we'll see. They, they, they might be a year early. But Burrow looks uh, really good. Um, thankfully, that throat contusion, that he went to the hospital after the game, he looks like he's going to be fine and he'll be able to play this Sunday. Um, so, uh, the other uh, absolute uh, crazy game that we had in the NFL, uh, the last one I wanted to talk about, well, not crazy game, I should say. Uh, the game was fairly expected, um, but I guess crazy stat, uh, I should correct myself. I apologize. The Jaguars losing their 20th game in a row, and they did so to the Tennessee Titans, who throttled Jacksonville 37-19. Um, Jacksonville just looked lost. They're 0-5. And I'm struggling to look at their schedule and see a win coming up. Um, I don't think they'll go 0-17. That's going to be really difficult to do, um, especially they got games with the Texans and Jets um, coming up. Or not coming up, I apologize. It's near the end of the season, um, Texans and Jets. The Colts haven't been very good, so maybe they sneak a win there. But I don't see any scenario where Urban Meyer is back next year. I, I don't see any scenario. He He's not used to losing. He didn't do a lot of losing at college level. Um, he's got this minor scandal floating over his head now. Um, he doesn't look like he's got the confidence of the team. His players aren't bought into him. Um, I, there's just no scenario where I see Urban Myers back next year. I, I just don't see it. There's there's no chance that that's happening. Um, so, I you know it's probably just a little disappointing uh, for him to fail in the NFL. But unless all of a sudden the Jaguars like get hot and end up winning like maybe five or six games in a row and show some life, I don't see any scenario where he's where he's back. Um, it's just you know they've lost twenty games in a row. 
and it doesn't look like it's getting better anytime soon. All right, so moving on to baseball before we wrap the show up. Uh, we have Boston leading the Tampa Bay Rays right now, 5-0 in the bottom of the third. They're one victory away from moving on to the ALCS. Um, the White Sox, uh, the game was postponed. Houston leads that series two games to one. Atlanta won today against Milwaukee 3-0 to take a 2-1 series lead. They're one win away from advancing to the NLCS. And the Dodgers and uh, Giants are currently tied uh, at one game apiece. That game will kick off about 9.37 tonight. Um, honestly, I'm kind of shocked by this because the Rays looked so dominant in game one. I really thought they would take this series like three games to one or so. But right now, Boston is hot. Um, Boston can go to the ALCS. Um I still like Houston and their talent, but there's accusations now that uh, they're stealing signs. Um, I don't know if Houston Astros, they're just a cheating organization. And and even if they're not stealing signs, they kind of have, they've been caught now with it that everybody kind of automatically assumes they're doing the worst. Kind of like the Patriots in the NFL, Bill Belichick. Belichick was caught with, all kinds, you know, taping practices against the Rams for the Super Bowl um, back when they played the uh, greatest show on turf from deflating footballs um, and plate gate, uh, all these different things. Uh, so people automatically just assume the worst about the Patriots, and that's the way it is with the Astros right now because they got caught. So people just automatically think that they're cheaters. Um, but Houston is pretty loaded. Um, I feel like Boston would struggle to beat them, and Houston would probably end up going to the World Series. But honestly, you know, I'm kind of tired of Houston in the World Series. I'm tired of Boston being there. They've been there a lot recently. Tired of the Dodgers making it. Uh, Honestly, the World Series that I really wanted to see was either a Giants and White Sox World Series or an Atlanta and White Sox World Series. Even though Atlanta didn't really have the star power it did at the beginning of the season. Uh, but we'll see. Uh, we'll see how things go. Uh, the Dodgers look like the best team um, in baseball, even though the Giants are currently tied with them at one game apiece. So I'm kind of curious to see um, how this season plays out. Uh, but it's been uh, uh, it's not. I'll be honest. It has not been a very exciting postseason so far. We haven't had a lot of classic games. Uh, hopefully, it gets better as the season wears on. That's all the time we have for today. It's been a great Monday show. I thank you guys for listening to us, and we will be back with you on Friday. So, as always, Harlem Heat is going to take us out. Thanks, everybody. 